A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school Turning on the TV to the Cubs game Sitting with my dad to watch his heroes Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast Not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs But just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball And, of course, the defending World Series champion Cubs Ken, also known as Rice Cube on the Twitters, with me is Andy, a.k.a. Behind the Ivy. Hi, Andy. Hey, how's it going? Right, and uh, you can all, always find us on WorldSeriesDreaming.com. We have a Facebook page and Twitter. We'll pimp that throughout the show. Uh, you can find Andy at Behind underscore the underscore Ivy. I think what we'll do th- today is uh, we actually were able to get some time from Rich Deanna, who does the song for our podcast. Uh, so we talked a little baseball and just, you know, growing up and uh, hanging out with the Cubs and basically taking care of his kids. And that was a lot of fun. I got to open my sports crate. Did you actually subscribe to Sports Crate? I have not. I don't know if it's worth it. I, I think I get four more with my season pass, but uh, I'm starting to kind of regret spending the money, although I did get a really snazzy pin. Uh, we'll actually talk some baseball as well. So we're talking about uh, the new Cubs draft pick that came up, or first-round draft pick, Ian Happ. want to talk a little bit about Dylan Cease, who is the top Cubs prospect, unfortunately injured Tonight, probably minor, but we'll see. We have Cubs in a slump, but they just swept the red, so are they breaking out of the slump? We don't know. And finally, we'll touch on the rotation, specifically Jake area, which Andy blogged about. How's that for a plan? It works for me. I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. All right, here we go. As the spring gave away to summer... As the ivy-colored dreams toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. And welcome back to the Dreamcast. We have with us a very special guest, one of our longest uh, followers and a helper on our World Series Dreaming page, Rich Deanna. How are you doing, Rich? Doing fantastic tonight. Thank you very much. Yep, you're in L.A. or thereabouts. I'm still in Chicago, so we're about two hours apart, and I wanted to thank you so much for uh, giving us the time. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. It's, uh, you know, yeah. this is it's a very well-respected page, and, and to be on it, uh, I definitely appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not as big as some of the other ones, but I, I think we do a good enough job that people kind of notice and know we we exist. So I appreciate that from you as well. And really, I should uh, be reciprocating the comment because uh, I, you you allowed us to use your really awesome song for basically free. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, I, it, you know what? I, I appreciate it. It's uh, it's nice to have it out there. It's it's good to, to have – I'd like as many people to uh, – Cubs fans to hear it as possible just because yeah. I think it 
Kevin says what we all think. Yeah, and I, I do uh, pimp it on iTunes every time, chance I get uh, <laughs> on the Dreamcast because I, I know, like, you did it on your own, and I didn't even know you could sing or, you know, play guitar <laughs> or whatever. So that's awesome, man. Like, uh, when you posted it, I was like, man, Rich did that? Well, I've never actually heard your voice before tonight, so I, I, I didn't know. But you, you sang very well, and it, it was a nice tune and everything, and I hope you've uh, made – a few books off of iTunes with it. A, a couple, a couple. You know what? It, it's uh, I, I appreciate the compliments. It's it's been more the the journey, I think, more than anything. Um, you know, if I had to, to do it again, I think I would have done it. The the order of some of the things I did a little bit differently. It probably would have helped the the sales. The sales have been pretty modest, but it's okay. Um, yeah. But I, I think what what we're what, what a, my main goal was to try to get it out there. I mean, initially I wanted to try to get it in front of the Cubs and see if they would be willing to use it in some capacity. And, and I've really exhausted just about every um, every connection that I have. And there have been several of them. Um, but uh, it, it it's a tough nut to crack to try to get into their system. So we've, we've been able to just put it out there. And a couple, couple of the other, you know, in addition to, to your uh, Facebook page, couple of the other ones picked it up, and then off of my page, um, I think total we've got about 150,000 views on it, including the YouTube. So it's it's been very, very uh, – it's a lot more than I ever thought would happen. You know, I, I figured if I get this up to a couple thousand people, I would, I would be happy. But to have it picked up the way it did and, and so many people with so many um, – really nice things to say about it. And, and I think the, the common denominator with all of it was that we shared pretty much the same feelings. All Cubs fans knew exactly how I was feeling. I was just able to put it into a, into words, into a song. So it was kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. And I think you, I'm not going to say you're old, <laughs> but you're obviously been a fan a lot longer than I have. You were a native Chicagoan before uh, moving off to California. I actually grew up in California. I moved to Chicago, so I'm a little backwards. And right. I was a Cubs fan before I moved to Chicago because of Sammy Sosa. So that was only about 20 years. And I'm pretty sure you've been a fan a lot longer than I have been, or Anno Catulli has been a fan pretty much his entire life, which is like 30-odd years. Uh, right. The others on our page, much more than me. So I totally uh, get where you're coming from. Like, it's been a long time coming. We've never seen in our lifetime a Cubs team that was this dominant. And, you know, they're scuffling this year. We'll talk about that later on in the podcast. But, you know, it, it, it's something that we can all feel great about and feel great about for, you know, years to come. Absolutely. Absolutely. They, no matter what happens for the next 20, 30, 40 years, they can never take 2016 away from us. Um, you know, yeah, I, I've, I did. I grew up in the city, um, in, in the heart of Chicago and, Moved out to L.A. in my early 20s. Um, I'm 49 now. But, I, I mean, I remember as a kid looking at the Chicago Tribune, you know, on, on the kitchen table with my dad and looking at the box scores and looking at stats. And, and, and it was just, I mean, probably I, I can remember going back to seven, eight years old. That was like something that I did all the time and then into my teens. And so it was, yeah, I've, I've been, I've been a diehard. My grandmother used to always go to games and my dad was a huge fan and it was just a, 
I mean, that's the, the opening line of the song is, you know, I remember running home from school, sitting with my dad to watch the game. I mean, that's what we did. Yeah, um, that sounds great. And, you know, I actually, uh, because WGN was so prevalent back in the day, right. nowadays it's not so much, and you probably get WGN America uh, where you're right. at, and they don't show the games. They only Chicago-based WGN does. But back then, like, you know, uh, around I, I would channel surf during the summer and you know I'd watch the prices right because it was kind of fun but every now and then you just switch around and oh wow there's a baseball game and it's the Cubs so that's yeah. when the Cubs came on my radar and uh, I I think you've translated a lot of this love of baseball to your sons I've seen you post about uh, your sons playing Little League and taking them to spring training I think you've blogged a couple of times for us on World Series Dreaming about your experiences yeah. in in the uh, spring training in Mesa. So, you know, they they seem like they really enjoy baseball, and that's a lot because of your dad, your grandma, and because of you. Yeah, that's uh, – and that, that is true. I mean, it just kind of kind of finds its way into into the genes somehow. Um, uh, and, and we've you, – you use it not only for the game, but it then becomes, you know, your spring training is your time away, and it's – it's your bonding time with your kids and, and it make it gets you closer and, and more things happen because of the game of baseball. I mean, I think that's, you know, during, I, I coached for years, mm-hmm. you know, and I coached my own boys. And I think one of the things that it was really, really important for me to, to pass on was that it's not, it's not just a game, which is again, the name of the song, but it's not just a game. Um, it, it's, you, there are so many lessons, life lessons that, you know, I was able to pass on to the kids that I coached, including my own, um, through the game. I mean, about sportsmanship, about respect, about so many different things. And that becomes more than, way, way, way more than just a baseball game. And, and, um, I think the, that's kind of the, the, the fun of it all is so many other things happen in, in life, um, because of baseball, whether it's people that you meet, whether it's, you know, you, you look at somebody like um, Tom Ricketts, you know, who, who met his wife in the bleachers. It's that type of of thing. And, and, and we're all united as, as Cubs fans. So I think going forward, you you know, there, there are so many more lessons you learn in life from, from the game of baseball, playing it on the field, watching it, you know, interacting with fans. So, um, yeah, my boys have – have both picked it up. They're they're now playing high school ball. When we when wow. we first went out there, yeah, we first went out there. They were I think eight years old was the first time that I took them in there. They're fourteen now and playing high school ball and, and loving it and really having a good time with it. And we do. We try to get out to. We're going to go to two or three uh, games next weekend when the Cubs are in town. Uh, Against uh, Dodgers, right? Yeah, yeah. So we're going to Friday night's game and Sunday afternoon's game, and and we usually do that every year. When they're here, we go to. You know, whether it's three or four games, whatever, however long the series is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and, and we're not, and it's not just, you know, when the Cubs are here. We went the other night to an Angels game and they were playing the Astros. And, you know, from time to time we'll go to a Dodgers game. You know, it's just, it's love of the game. Love of the game first, I guess. Love of the, love of the Cubs second is, is really what it is. Yeah. Have you ever, did you go to the interleague series that the Cubs had uh, last year in Anaheim? You know, <laughs> We, I'm trying to think for some, oh, we had, we didn't. 
Yeah. It was it was a heartbreaker. We had some stuff going on. Um, we're in, we're as a family we're involved with a, with a theater, a local theater company. We do some oh, stuff, yeah. and we ended up we had commitments that we couldn't go to any of the games. And um, I think especially my son Matthew, the, the Angels are his his like American League team, like his second favorite team, and to not be able to go to that was was really really tough. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I think. Um, yeah, where well, we got probably another five years before they come back out here again. We'll do it next time they're out. Yeah, naturally. Have you ever made the trek down to San Diego when the Cubs play down there too, or uh, is that a little too much? No, it's not. You know, the problem with it now, we I did my my wife. I'm not sure. I don't believe we were married yet. I think we we're still dating. We've been married 17 years. So, so um, actually, we took a trip down there. The problem is the, the games are all during the week because they have the Dodgers here. Series always is on the weekend, oh. and then the, the Padres usually, you know, the, that series is usually like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So you know, you're taking time off of work, and that's a little bit rough. Um, but we did go down there and uh, and, and spent a, a weekend down there many years back. Um, I've got some other friends that that go down there. Uh, you know, just about every year, I've got a friend that's going down there right now. But I'd love to be able to do it, but it's just a little bit. A little bit too much, it, it, you know. It's it's a it's a quick trip. It's a two hour drive, and it's a beautiful drive down there. But I think um, you know, taking all that time off of work's a little bit more than than we'll, we'll enjoy the weekend here in L.A. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And you know, both of them are really nice ballparks and nice venues to hang out at. Yeah. So, uh, you told me earlier that you were actually watching the game as though we can't really say too much because Mauricio told me once upon a time that we can't discuss for, you know, quasi-legal reasons, you know, disseminating what the express written consent of MLB, so we can't really talk about the game tonight. But uh, uh-huh. are you you perfectly able to watch the game in L.A., right? Because I know the Dodgers have been having uh, some kind of cable issue forever, and right. you don't ha- experience the same with the Cubs because of your extra innings package, right? Right. As long as we've got the extra innings package, the only time it's it's difficult to watch them is when they're here in town, believe it or not. Yeah, um, because they're blacked out, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's there's now, and I don't know really what the details are, I know that they've made some inroads where some of the games now are, are on a local a local uh, affiliate where it's not one of the national broadcasts. It's not NBC, ABC. It's, it's a KTLA, which is, I guess, the equivalent of what a WGN would be in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um and so they get some games broadcast there, and it just so happened that um, when the Dodgers were in Chicago, even when the Dodgers are in Chicago, it gets blacked out. So, but that particular game, um, there was a couple games. Like I got to see the ring ceremony, I got to see the, the raising of the banner. So we were lucky in that respect. But um, yeah, they, these the Dodgers fans have suffered a lot. It's it's frustrating for them. I'm sure they've lost many many fans because of it. Um, it's Time Warner. Time Warner was the was the company that that took over out there that was invested into the Dodgers and was was part of that um, eight billion dollar Guggenheim package. And the problem is, is the only people that can watch it are the people that have Time Warner. So if you've got Directv, if you've got Dish, if you've got any other network, Cox Cable, you're not you're not able to watch any of the games. So it's frustrating. You know, you've got these you know lifelong Dodgers fans who can't watch their team. And I can't even imagine what that would be like as a Cubs fan, you know, sitting in your in the backyard of Wrigley Field and you can't watch the games. Yeah, and it, it's 
kind of annoying for me because I don't have cable, so I usually have to watch condensed games on MLB.com uh, or uh, just hope that it's on ABC or WGN or on Fox. And I right. can't watch the ESPN games. I can't watch the Comcast games. Uh, it's just not possible for me because we, well, I guess we can afford cable, but we choose not to because we prefer to spend our money somewhere else, like maybe, Eight. you know. Going to the game this weekend, actual game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, you, you obviously had a lot of experience being a, a Southern California uh, dweller. Now with Vin Scully, he retired. Uh, how would you compare the Cubs broadcasters with Vin Scully right now? It's probably an unfair comparison, but yeah, I, guess so. I, I mean, Vin, Vin Scully, and it's and it's funny. It's when we were able to watch, when I was able to watch Dodger games out here, you know, you, you may not like the team, and I'm not, I'm not really a Dodgers fan, you know, per se. And as a matter of fact, I really am not fond of where they're at right now. But you can't. It's like if you walk past a TV and Vince Scully's voice was on, you stop dead in your tracks. It's like the man, he speaks with a gold tongue. Everything he says is is right, is there. I mean, it's the way he expresses, the way he stopped. Um, to let you listen to the crowd, to let you take in the sounds of the game itself. Um, I, there's, there's never been able. I mean, there's never been anybody that I know of that's even come close to announcing a game um, the way that that Vin has. And I think that it's you, you don't have to be. You know, there, there's a lot of people who will say, "Oh no, the Cubs, Cubs broadcasters are the best." You know what? There's nothing wrong in, in saying that Vin Scully was. Probably the best announcer of all time. I don't think it's probably is even it doesn't even belong in that sentence. He was the best. He was by far the best, and and um, he did it for a long, long time, sixty-seven years, I think. Um, he perfected his craft, and he was he was adored out here. Uh, uh, that said, Len and and JD, I really enjoy them. Um, yeah, they're very funny guys. Yeah, when I you know having the MLB package, we're able to. To turn on other games, and uh, my son Matthew and I. Matthew um, watches a little bit more baseball than Anthony does. Anthony likes to play it, doesn't watch it, doesn't like watching it as much. Um, Matthew could pretty much sit down and watch just about any game. And there'll be times where we'll be watching, let's say, a Yankees and Rays game or a, a, a Phillies and a Pirate game, and we kind of look at each other, going, "Man, this broadcast team is just horrible," you know, whoever it may be, and and. You kind of appreciate who you've got. I mean, yeah, I, I miss the Steve Stones. I miss the Brenleys. I miss, you know, obviously, Harry Carey. You know, he was a, an, an idol in Chicago. The, you know, I go back as far as Jack Brickhouse. But, um, but I mean, I think in recent, in recent times, Bob Brenley was great. He really was. I think he was a great announcer for the fans. Um, he didn't mince words. He, he was, he laid everything out in layman's terms. And, I think these guys do the same thing. You know, they're they're silly to an extent. You know, they're, they're a little bit goofy at times, but I think what you get from them is a lot of really good knowledge. You get, you know, Jim Deshaies, um experience in, within the game, and and Casper just does a great job with what he does. So I, I'm very very happy with the Cubs announcers. Yeah, me too. And I think uh, you know Ron Coomer is kind of growing on us. Like he still is kind of terrible at play by play, but at least he interacts very well with uh, Pat Hughes, who has a great voice as well. So okay. it, it's always fun to listen to the radio. Like I, I say, I don't have a lot of ca- 
I don't have a cable package, but I do have a radio, and I'm very fortunate to be able to listen to uh, it used to be WGN, now it's the score. So it, right. it's a lot of fun. Uh, let's go back to your song before I let you go. Uh, it, when I first heard it, I had to listen to it a few times just to get used to the lyrics and say, do what you're saying. It's a very nice tune. It has a bit of a country western twang to it. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, it, it's kind of ironic because, you know, I've, I've gone through my whole life telling people there's two kinds of music that I don't like. One is country and the other is western. Oh, we got both kinds. We got country and western. Um, and it's kind of been a joke. I, I've never been a country fan. And so I'm, you know, sitting at the piano and it kind of just, it, it just flowed. You know, it, it just popped all of a sudden. The, the tune came in. I figured it out, and, and it, it literally happened in about less than 30 minutes from, you know, the, the actual tune itself, um, which is really, really strange. But um, the words came later, but as I was playing it, my wife, Laura, said, you know, that, that sounds like a country song. And I'm like, no way, uh-uh, not on the country. I don't do country. And as I put it out on Facebook after it was complete, you know, we took it to a studio and, and had a lot of help um, with a lot of really, really talented people. Um, and if anybody's, you know, it, it was my first experience in, in a studio, so I, I didn't know what to expect, but it was definitely a great, uh, a great journey. But once I put it out there, it was, it was pretty funny because I had many people tell me, yeah, this sounds like a country song. Yeah. Uh, I, little did I know, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't know it was going to appeal to that genre. And then somebody out here said, Hey, you know what? Brett Eldridge is a big Cubs fan. Mm-hmm. And I go, no, that's true. You know, he'd just come off of playing, you know, I think he recorded Cubs, Go Cubs Go, and um, he was involved with the, you know, the, the narrating of Rain Man. But there was a, a website where we were in spring training. Matthew and I were in spring training, and uh, I pulled up some website where you can get the agents, you know, booking agents and, and all these different agents for celebrities. So I look up Brett Eldridge, and... It gives me the name of his agent. And so at, at like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in, in Phoenix, I decide one night I'm going to call him, and this guy's in Nashville. And it was, it was like 8, 9 o'clock out there. And I get his information. you know, you got to pay for the website. And so I did it. I call him up, and I just said, hey, you know, Mr. So-and-so, I've got a song. I had emailed it to you the other day, and I'm wondering if you would take a look at it and see if Brett Eldridge would be able to – to do something with this. And he goes, you know, probably not. He was very, very curt. Um, he wasn't overly nice. He says, normally I don't even consider taking unsolicited stuff from people, you know, emails, phone calls. He goes, I'm surprised, you know, something along the lines of I'm surprised we're talking right now. But um, the the bottom line made a very long story short. He did. He listened to it. He sent me an email back. He said that he probably, no matter if he liked it or not, he probably wouldn't give it to Brett Eldridge just because he felt that Brett was too uh, already entrenched into the Cubs. He had too much saturated into that market, and he, there was there would just be one more thing, and, and he didn't want to do it that way. He, and he did end me, sending me an email back saying, love the passion in the song, it's a great song, but it's just not right for us. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess I could understand that. And uh, I, I, I'm very like impressed with what you did because I didn't know you played an instrument like you are obviously – 
a man of many talents as you are so involved in your son's lives and you do so much like community work. Uh, obviously a lot of people, uh, love and respect you. And now you're playing multiple instruments and you're singing and it's just like, wow, I didn't know rich could do that. I didn't know rich could do a lot of things. And yeah, it's, uh, I, I guess the word I'm, I have to keep using is impressive because it is quite impressive what you were able to do and, you know, getting so many hundreds of thousands of views and whatever money you get off of iTunes that, you know, that's icing on the cake because people have obviously heard the song and they're inspired by it. They enjoy it. Uh, we got like a bajillion likes on that one post that you did as a, as our guest admin, like you're still an admin, so you, you can post at any time. You understand that, right? Thank you. But, I appreciate it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we, we realize that you're super busy, like you work uh, a lot, and you are very involved with your family and with the community. So, you know, whenever you can, please just drop, drop on by, say hi, and, uh, you know, drop a blog or two about your experiences with uh, the Dodgers game next week. That's a deal. You know what? It's funny. I think after all this time, I think I felt a little bit awkward about coming back and, and putting something on. You know, you've got so many new new subscribers to, you know, to the site. And I, I didn't want to, you know, you guys you guys have a great thing going. Um, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes with, with that. It's a but, large uh, community. It's very diverse. And uh, the thing is, like, we love to have them interact more. And the more people we have posting things the more people like different voices that we have like andy has a certain voice i'm just goofy and snarky and sarcastic ben just <laughs> does his thing and we we don't care like uh we just like having fun like we're not in it for the business like this is just a hobby and i'm actually really glad that you took the time to hang out with us so anything you got at all like we can always use content we can always use conversation pieces and you are more than welcome to hang out man uh, i appreciate yeah, it yeah of course and again this is rich deanna he has his song uh more than just a game it's on itunes and that link is always in the show notes and we always thank you for letting us use it as our opening and interstitial music you got it, my friend. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again sometime. I hope. Absolutely. Thank you again for uh, for having me on the podcast. I appreciate it, and uh, go Cubs, go. Will do. We'll be right back. Could it be our hero's moment? Could they somehow find a way? Will they rid us of these ghosts of shame? This part of the podcast, it seems like I got myself a sports crate. Now, how much do we pay for this? Like 180 bucks for the, for the for five boxes. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's worth it, but let's find Better out. Be. Better be. This is my Father's Day present uh, about a few months early. All right. Hi, Jason. You ready to see what's in here? Oh uh, yeah. Also, if you don't remember me, I was back in episode two. Was it episode two? I don't even remember. It, it was definitely episode two, I think. Yeah, it was. Okay, so we're going to cut open this box. It is Cubs themed. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they didn't even send me an email or anything. They were just like, hey, here, here's a box. So we got a, looks like a baseball diamond in there with a box score up top. Interesting. Got Angry John Lester. Not 
Nice. Yeah. Sportsplex. Should we open it? Oh, look. We also got a bag. Oh, cool. A fanny pack. No, wait. So this isn't a fanny pack. This is a lunch bag. Oh, well, I guess I need a new lunch bag. This is kind of small, though. Hold on, hold on, hold on. One at a time. I know you're all excited. But, yes, uh, I'm we're... excited to be back throughout <laughs> all of these eons. This one has a card. Summer is around the corner, and we want to make sure that your beverages are kept ice cold all season long. Well, you can keep, like, maybe four beverages nice and cold. Look at the size of this thing. It's so small. You don't really take any for lunch anyways. I, I do. Like, the Tupperware is huge. So, it might What's let you use it. Hold on to that cord. You go ahead and open this thing. I, I don't know. Is this a t-shirt? I'm pretty sure it's a shirt. Open it up. Yep. Hey! A, oh, it's a jersey. I needed a new jersey. Oh, well, maybe you can wear it then. It's fine. What the heck is that? This is a cornhole game. A miniature cornhole game with oh. Miguel Montero. All right. Nice. Okay, so get ourselves a John Lester card. I'll let you have that. Sports Crate exclusive. It seems like I should have gotten more in here. Wait, what is this? Let's let's open this up. Yeah. And it's a jersey. Lots of crinkly. Go ahead. Get a nifty ticket. Sports crate number one. Golden ticket. Yep. You got ourselves a John Lester action figure, unable to throw the first base, but paints the corners. Well, Jason, yeah. Yep. It will fit you for sure. You want to put it on, Jason? See kind if it fits. Though. It might be tacky, but you know, at least. Uh, now I have yeah. something to wear at a Cubs game. Yep. Bring in the heat T-shirt. Moisture wicking technology. Perfect yeah. temperature whether we're watching a game at home or in the stands. Let's hope so. Miguel Montero cornhole game. You got the Tops trading card, which is here. It was amazing. Yep. And uh, looks like I got myself a pen. I'm going to put this along with my other piece. Oh, it's a play. flaming ball. It's a flaming ball with the Cubs logo on it. So, original... Bringing the heat pen, designed by your friends at Sports Crate. Thanks, Sports Crate. Yep, gonna add this to my pieces of flair on my jacket at school. We need to talk about your flair. Hooray! Right. Got a lot of cardboard that I don't need. Well, what do you think, Jason? Was this worth whatever we spent on it? Uh, it depends. Actually, I honestly don't know. Yeah, because each Ford crate is about supposed to be $40. Did we get $40 worth of stuff in this thing? I feel kind of cheated, man. With all the great stuff inside this one, well, I do like the pen. This is nice. So I'm gonna, definitely going to wear this on my jacket at school. So I, I will definitely take this with me to school. Let's put that up there so I don't forget. It's John Lester card. You want it? And how do you feel in this new shirt? What do you I, think? It, it feels very comfortable, and it's also a little bit cool. So it, in case it's really hot at the ball game, I will have something to keep me cold. <laughs> it, it, it actually cools you. All right, stand up so we can see. It's like one of those weird polyester shirts. Uh, it doesn't look terrible. It looks like it has a baseball glove on it. It does. Oh, it's got a baseball glove all over the Cubs logo. I guess you could do that, and then you could wear any hat you want. Cause Did we you got wear like, anything? 
Was I supposed to win something? Let me see that thingy. This thing? The black thing. Yeah. Oh no, because uh, they said if I bought the season pass, I was supposed to win something, right? Potentially have the golden ticket in there to do something fun. Maybe it's the in the Miguel Montero cornhole game. The five golden tickets. Five golden tickets. Because I've got a golden ticket. Let's see what we got. Alright, we probably don't need this thing. Uh, we know your ace pitcher can bring the heat to the mound. But can he lob a beanbag from 27 feet away directly into the cornhole? Phrasing. So, we're just done with phrasing, right? So this stuff, I guess we don't have to keep. Let's put that in there. Hey, it's got bags in there. We almost threw those away. So there's the, there are the three bags. So what you're supposed to do, Jason, is put it up here. I wonder uh, what Miguel Montero thought about enjoy, this. Enjoy the audio of us trying it for the first time. <laughs> Let's see. So step back a little bit. Alright, alright, I'll go for Here, just throw the step back and see if you can throw it into Miguel's mitt there. No, too far. Overthrow right. it. Alright. Let's try that again. There you go. Yep, I won in. Yay! Wait, is My it supposed to go in? My oh, okay, you get three points for something that goes through the hole, one that's on the plane surface, one hanging into the hole, one that's hanging off the edge but not touching the ground, zero for one that's on the plane surface but also touching the ground, hanging off the front edge, resting on a cornhole bag that's on the ground. Okay. So I guess they only gave us one because usually with cornhole you're supposed to have two, but uh, since but, these beanbags uh, are differently sized, Jason. Yeah. Oh, they are. Slightly different. No, well, they're about the same size. They're shaped like baseballs or something. No, they're not base. Well, they got the stitching like baseballs, but they're definitely not baseballs because they're little beanbags. See if you can get another one. See Got if I can get another one in the mitt. One. What? There we go. Excellent, <laughs> excellent job. Okay, let's open up this uh, John Lester figurine. Alright. <laughs> Alright, put this uh, bag in the kitchen so you can have lunch sometime later. Wait, let me try this. Oh, tape, why? Must not have scissors. Here we go. Okay, okay. Alright, here we go. Let me try this video. Let's, uh, let's open up. Or John Lester angry figurine. This is a lot smaller than they showed on the thing. It's like the size of a G.I. Joe, actually. I thought it was the size of a bobblehead. I got six points. Six points. Hold on. Maximum you can so, get is 12. I think I'll let you have this because he, he looks incredibly angry, but he looks like he could be a lot of fun if you enjoy. Hey, look at that. It has uh, multiple little holes for him to plant his leg, and one in front and behind the pitching rubber. Oh no, John Lester, no! You okay. almost killed John Lester! Well, he is left-handed, he's got a glove. The glove doesn't seem to rotate as much as it should. It's actually kind of flimsy, so you got to be careful around the wrist. Yeah, Alright, so the head does turn, it goes up and down. Well, at least it isn't. Well, at least it has more joints. 
Because some figurines only have like six joints and it's kind of weird. Articulated. But and luckily this one has some joint, some more the joints. The legs do bend just a little bit. The legs do bend quite a little bit actually. The, bend, uh, the legs do bend a lot. Let's put him down here. He's got. Well, if I put him on this hole, unfortunately he won't be able to stand along the rubber. Which doesn't make sense. Is he supposed to wind up behind? That doesn't make sense either. Like, Here, let me now, try. Now, now it, looks, it looks all weird. Look at that. He can't stand on the rubber at all. Now, the only way he can stand on the rubber correctly is if he's right-handed. But as we all know, John Lester is not right-handed. Oh, okay. So we gotta do this so that... Eight points this time. It looks like he's delivering. Okay. Let's do it a wee bit further. A wee bit further. I don't think we can uh, we can pose John Lester the way they had designed this. This is kind of crummy. Okay. Let's move his head and move the arm back. So, yep. Here you go, Jason. You got yourself a cornhole game. A new card, and the only thing that I guess I could really use was the pin. So, was this ultimately worth the 40 bucks? Uh, 40 bucks? I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I might have to wait for next next month's sports crate before I uh, determine whether this was worth it. But since I got the season, at least we have a game that a game and a toy that can keep us not bored. A lunchbox. So then we can store some food for the apocalypse. Yeah. And, and he's holding his glove all weird. Look at that. That doesn't work. Like I, I like the detail, but uh. A, just a pen to, to have just you know, just to have. Or okay. and then we have a box to store out zombies when the apocalypse yeah. does happen. So yeah, John Lester doesn't look as angry when you take him out of the box yeah. as his uh, as his box looks. Because when you look at the box, it's extreme close up, and he looks all angry. All right. So oh no, oh, John no, Lester fell. Fell. Anyway, you killed him. I guess next next month when we get a new sports crate, you guys can uh, listen to us open it as well. For now. Let's go back to the show. Say bye, Jason. Bye. Have a good time. The beauty and the history in this cathedral. The sky so blue against the grass so green. Like time stood still forever. So when we last left off... Uh, I think there were a bunch of cubs that were getting injured and maybe like we shouldn't have said some stuff from the last podcast about how the cubs were staying healthy because it, it seems like we basically cursed the team. But uh, that did give us a chance to get a peek at Ian Hep, who is the 2015 first round pick. What do you think of him so far? Uh, Ian Hep is pretty much coming up as advertised. Uh, to this point, uh, striking out about 23% of the time. That's about where he's been in his minor league career. So in a lot of ways, it's really impressive that he's been able to come up and really really look pretty much the same at the plate as he has in the minor leagues. 
I don't think the 23%-ish walk rate that he's sporting is going to last. Oh. But, you know, at, at current, you know, all things look pretty good from a guy who, quite frankly, was probably major league ready at the plate before this season started. Yeah, he seemed like he was just rising through the ranks pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's an adjustment period. He didn't seem to really need an adjustment period or it is entirely possible that the league hasn't adjusted them yet. So like you said, it's a really small sample right now. I think he's had less than 20 plate appearances so far because he, uh, bar- yeah. Yeah, he, barely he ran up over, he ran up over 20 plate appearances today. He's up to oh, okay. 22. Okay. Well, I wasn't too far off, but 22 but plate appearances. Yeah. He's six for 17 overall hitting good mm-hmm. for 353. His five walks. So his, his OPS right now is 1.324. I don't think that's necessarily sustainable for a rookie, but it's a heck of a way to start off for five games. Yeah, it's de- definitely Bonzian, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I f- figure, you know, when the, when they start adjusting to him and then at some point Jason Hayward's coming back, he's in South Bend, uh, tonight on his first rehab game, sounded like he did well. So, you know, it, it's nice to know that the Cubs aren't suffering any super debilitating injuries. Like the only one that they really had was Brett Anderson's back, and he kind of sucked beforehand. So maybe that wasn't such a bad thing. We feel bad for Brett because really wanted him to succeed so that the Cubs could succeed. But at the same time, it's probably a good idea to give Eddie Butler a try. But uh, coming back to Hap, um he was one of the few, like including Jamer Candelario and may, maybe Javier Baez, that people keep floating around to trade. I don't think they're going to trade him. What do you think? I, I think it's too early to make that call. I'm actually in the group of people that thinks that his time with the Cubs is probably borrowed almost almost by necessity. He's, he's a top prospect. Top mm-hmm. prospects are what it's going to cost to acquire even mid-level starting pitching. You know, if if the Cubs were to look to acquire somebody like Alex Cobb, who I actually watched most of his start yesterday against the Indians, mm. you know, it's probably going to cost an Ian Happ and a Jaime Candelario to get an Alex Cobb. I mean, you think about what the cost was on a rental closer arm in Aroldis Chapman last year. Yeah, that, so that, that was, was painful. <laughs> that was a top five prospect and a couple of other nice pieces, in addition to Adam Warren, who is pitching well again for the Yankees. And while he wasn't great in Chicago, like the guy still had some value. So, like if you think if you think about that spinning forward, like a a controllable starting pitcher is going to cost some prospects, and Ian Happ is got to be a part of that discussion no matter how much you want to hang on to him yeah so I, I also feel like they're once Hayward gets back I, I don't know how they could justify keeping him on at the expense of somebody else like you can't I, I don't think you can designate John Jay for assignment or anything and there's only so many phantom injuries that they could fake so like 
he's probably going back to Iowa as soon as Hayward uh, returns. And then it's kind of up in the air. There's like two months left before the trade deadline, so it's kind of hard, like you said, to figure that out. I, I just I just feel like they it, he's one piece that they really, really want to keep, but uh, like as a contending team, they, they can't, they don't have that luxury anymore, or they, I, I mean, they have a lot of options, but that might be the option that they go with is to say, our core is set for years to come. Maybe we can just part with another top prospect and hope for the best. It's, it's difficult to, to gauge with, with the rotation, because at this point, you know, Lester has pitched well most of the season. John Lackey, it looks like he's putting it back together a little bit. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has looked really, really good the last couple times out. Uh, Eddie Butler made one promising start. We'll see if he can stack success tomorrow when he starts against Milwaukee. Mm. And Jake Arietta remains a little bit of a mystery. But at the moment, there isn't really a free spot in the rotation to acquire an arm, which will mm. help which will help keep Hap into the organization, at least potentially through the end of the season. And if he keeps hitting the way he's hitting, he makes Tommy Lastella a little more expendable because Tommy's got options and he can go back down to Iowa. And Ian comes with quite a bit more defensive versatility than Tommy Lastella does. Mm-hmm. So, like, like Theo said, you know, you always call guys up and you write it in pencil and today Joe Madden and his post game presser said that Ian Happ is making the decision to keep him around easier. So at this point, you know, who knows, but if he keeps swinging the bat the way he's swinging it, he's not going back to Des Moines, not anytime soon anyway. Yeah. And then it's just up in the air, whether he remains a cub or not. I Feel feel like I was reading an article uh, from Comcast Sportsnet. I think it was Mooney who wrote it. Then they said something to the effect of how trading Javi Baez was probably not an option. Maybe it was Gordon Whitmire. I don't know. They they all kind of uh, they all kind of roll together for me because there's so many Cubs uh, Cubs people in my Twitter feed, but. I feel like they know what Javi is. They know his defensive value when he's on. And uh, they also know that he's still developing as a smarter baseball player. So my guess is that the big trade is going to be Jamer plus Ian Happ plus whoever. Yeah, that's a pretty good guess. And I wouldn't wouldn't count out them throwing in a – Dylan Cease in that trade too, if the right opportunity comes around, considering he's only now in low A. Yeah, and he did kind of tweak an ankle today, huh? Uh, yeah, it sounded it sounded like it wasn't necessarily good either, which is a little bit disappointing for a guy who's finally making a full season debut and has actually pitched quite well. Mm-hmm. You know, tonight I think was his eighth start. And, you know, ERA and FIP both under three so far. So, so far, so good for him. Uh, Walking a few more people than you'd like. But, you know, even that 
is down from where he was in rookie ball and then last season when he was in Eugene. So things were kind of looking up for Dylan Cease, and hopefully the ankle isn't so bad that he's going to miss expended time. Yeah, but it sounds like maybe he should take a break anyway because of his uh, early Tommy John. He's coming back from Tommy John, right? And uh, I, I, I don't know. It, it sounds like he he's perfectly fine because he's hitting like high 90s, 100 miles an hour with that repaired elbow, right? Yeah, he his, his velocity has actually been, as advertised, you know, mid to upper 90s. And the Tommy John surgery is over two years ago. Uh, Jason McLeod said it during the Cubs convention this year that the, the gloves are basically off with Dylan Cease and they were going to turn him loose. Mm-hmm. In 2015, he came back towards the end of the year after the Tommy John, and he threw about 24 innings. And then last year in Eugene, he threw a touch under 45. Mm-hmm. You know, this year he's already up to 32 going into tonight's start. So it looked like he was going to get, you know, 110, 115 innings this season. And that, that'll all depend on, you know, just how bad this ankle injury turns out to be and how much time he actually misses. I, I would be surprised if he didn't go on the DL just out of a abundance of precaution. Yeah. And here's a kind of philosophical question. You as the Cubs, let's say you're in charge and you know that uh, there's there, there's a philosophy here. We need pitching. It doesn't sound like a good idea on on the surface to trade your best pitching prospect for more pitching, what, especially when he's younger and is cost-controlled. At the same time, you don't know what he can bring to the major league level. Well, right, and at this point, you know, Dylan Cease is 21 years old. Uh, but he's also pitching in the Midwest League. So, you know, he's got a really nice breaking ball. He has he has the big fastball, and he's, he's developing other pitches. But at the same time, it, it is the Midwest League, and he's far away. Realistically, the earliest we're probably going to see Dylan Cease in Chicago is – 2019, and that's assuming that his development goes really, really fast. Mm-hmm. The Cubs don't really have the luxury of of waiting past this winter, where Lackey's a free agent, Arietta's a free agent, you know, Lester and Hendricks are under team control, and if Eddie Butler shows that he belongs, he could he could also be a part of the rotation. Mm-hmm. But at this point, you know, they really only have two sure things for their 2018 rotation. And when you have a a team with the position players that the Cubs have, you can't go into a season with so much uncertainty in the rotation. Mm-hmm. And if you're if you're going to compete and you're going to maximize your window to contend with the Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, Anthony Rizzo. You know that group of of players leading the charge. You know sometimes you're going to have to part with with prospects and position players that you don't want to part with. You know, an Ian Happ, uh, Eddie Julio Martinez has had some nice games lately. 
uh, Eloy Jimenez is in that conversation. Mm-hmm. And when you start talking about about other players, uh, the Dylan Ceases of the world, you know, they will get you where you want to go sooner. And, you know, what, what the Cubs are at is that they're in a position where, you know, it's kind of, what are you going to do for me right now? Mm-hmm. And in the case of Dylan Cease, the best thing he may do for the Cubs right now is bring in a pitcher that can help them win right now. Right. And I guess my, my point of view is considering this year they actually have like several top 100 picks in the draft, they could still attack the problem with volume just like they did. So volume-wise, they've had a few guys who have contributed to the team over the past few years. They had they had Rob Cisdrisny, uh come up last year uh, and uh, early this year before he was optioned back down. They obviously just called up Pierce Johnson. So draft-wise, they have guys who can fill in roles. Uh, they're just not starters. They're not top of the rotation starters. And I think that's what a lot of Cubs fans are kind of cringing about is that there's not that ace anymore, uh, past Lester. And Lester, of course, is getting older and we're just kind of, uh, waiting for the decline phase. Well, right. And Pierce Johnson is actually a, a great person to bring up because you know, we all kind of expected Pierce Johnson to fit into the middle, the front or the middle of the Cubs rotation. And you got to remember, this is a guy who was picked in 2012. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's making his debut almost five years after he was selected in the draft. When he was pitching in Kane County in the Midwest League, you know, it was, wow, Pierce Johnson, he's going to be the guy. He's going to be one of the guys. He's going to help lead this Cubs rotation to the promised land, and that hasn't happened. In a lot of the same ways that we kind of expected Carl Edwards to be that important piece to the Cubs rotation in the future. And as it turns out, he's not a piece of the rotation. No, he's... He looks like he's going to be an invaluable piece of the bullpen going forward, but it still leaves that void in the rotation. Mm -hmm. So it's great to dream on Dylan Cease, but there's a long way to go between South Bend and Chicago. And a lot could happen that makes him not a top of the rotation starter that we all think he can be. Right. And I guess uh, the Cubs... Over the past few years, since Theo and Jed Hoyer took over, have been just saying, well, we can't really develop our own pitchers or haven't had as much success as we want. So let's just attack this with volume, first of all, to get the bullpen going. And let's also attack this with volume in terms of getting college-ready, or I'm sorry, major league-ready bats that we can trade so we can use them as currency or we can just funnel them into our major league team. It seems to be working so far. I don't know if anybody will catch on or if anybody in the other 29 organizations cares, but it it seems to be working out. And I guess at some point we really do have to say goodbye to some of these really interesting prospects. Well, right. And the thing, the thing that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer and Jason McLeod have all kind of said is, when you get those those uh, college hitters, they tend to pan out more often than that that first round pitcher. And 
historically the data seems to bear that out a little bit. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that when the Cubs selected Chris Bryant in 2013, I was a little bit disappointed because I was dreaming on John Gray. Now, yeah. four, year, four years later, you know, shut, shut us right up. <laughs> my, yeah, my bad. Obviously, uh, you know, Theo and his front office nailed that pick. And and that's not to say John Gray is a flop. In some ways, I was disappointed that Mark Appel wasn't available to the Cubs at number two, and he has been more or less a flop. So I think I thought a little more traditionally in that you got to get you got to build around arms. And now I look over at the Mets and all of their arms are dangling by threads. And you're like, huh, maybe the hitters weren't such a bad idea. And, you know, having surplus of talented hitters can get you arms because a lot of teams do develop or work around building around young arms. So they don't come in with the surplus of hitters. And in some ways you ready make your own trades. Yeah. I think, I, I guess the point is that the Cubs have so many options that we have absolutely no idea what's going to happen in June or July. So uh, we're just kind of spitballing here. But, uh, yeah, I, I think at this point we know that they're still in a window of contention. Jake Arrieta's gone. John Lackey's gone after this year, most likely for both, because they're going to want more money or they're going to want to retire in the case of Lackey. And, uh you know, at some point the Cubs have to address their pitching either through trade or through a really, really lucky draft. And, uh, uh yeah. I yeah. I think looking into this next free agent class, there are arms available to buy. Mm-hmm. And with, with Miguel Montero coming off the books after this season, you know, I think Jake Arrieta is making 15 or $16 million this year. Uh, John Lackey's contract will come off the books. The Cubs will actually free up quite a bit of money to pay a front-line pitcher like a U Darvish should he become available. Or Tanaka if he uh, decides to opt out of his contract with the Yankees. Right, and I think a lot less of a sure thing just because his arm, like it's kind of a ticking time bomb, and while things are going okay for him, you know, it – it's not a sure thing that he stays healthy and a team like the Cubs competing right now would be, it would be a huge loss for them to spend, you know, Tanaka like money Hmm. and then not have him available for a length of time. Yeah. I think Johnny Cueto also has an opt out after this year. Is that correct? I believe it's after 2018, but I know he's got one coming. Okay. I, I'm not actually sure. It could be after this year. Yeah, because I know that he has an opt-out coming up soon. Um, well, you know, it's fun to talk about the future, but let's talk about the now. Like, a lot of Cubs fans are freaking out because this team is at 500, and then you realize, wait, there's like 121 games left. So maybe we shouldn't freak out. Yeah, I wonder how many of these same fans freak out about a two-and-two football team because that's basically where the Cubs are. Mm. You know, they're a quarter, roughly a quarter of the way through the season. They're hanging around 500, and they're two games out of first place. And the first place team is the Brewers, who hey, they're playing really well and they're playing really hard. 
and those are kinds of things we expected, but they ran off a pretty nice run of wins here against the Mets, who are missing a lot of their best players to injuries, and the Padres, who might have the worst roster in Major League Baseball. Well, they're doing the tanking right. I I, I think they uh, actually don't have the worst record in the MLB yet, though. Yeah, there's time for the Padres to dip down there, though. Absolutely. I would expect the I would expect the Reds to join them down there, but you've seen where the Reds have been for the first month and a half of the season, also. So, and they just got swept. So, uh, you know, some sometimes these things are short, small sample size things, and sometimes it's just this is their true talent level, and maybe the Cubs really are just that much better than the Reds. And and they are mm-hmm. uh, the Reds. The Reds are a growing young team, and they may not be as bad as I prognosticated before the season. I would have never bet in my wildest dreams that Scott Feldman would have been as effective as he's been to this point. But, you know, the Reds, they're just, they're not put together enough to sustain a run of, you know, even middle-of-the-division type baseball. Yeah, and I think it's nice to have a front office that doesn't freak out, and a manager that doesn't freak out, and even the players were just like, whatever. So that, that was really fun to see. Uh, I do think that, uh, for example, Addison Russell is in a downswing right now, even though he started the season kind of hot. Uh, so I, I don't know. It, it's like every now and then we're only human, and I, I admit to not exactly being emotionless so i kind of get frustrated when i see him swing and he loses the bat and he swings at bad pitches or grounds out and i i feel like that's just one of those things where he's trying to adjust and yet he's pressing too much but uh i i feel like also that they're so good that they're gonna bust out of it like kyle schwarber hit you know a home run he didn't break the the budweiser sign like he 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 did in batting practice, but he still got a couple of clutch hits o- over the Red Series, and he's still seeing a lot of pitches. So obviously his eye works. It's just that his timing's a little off. Uh, I, I feel like everybody is just slightly off, kind of treating April and most of May so far as like a second spring training almost. Well, like, in the case of Addison Russell, like we forget some of these guys are still really young. Addison Russell's just barely 23. Um, you know, Kyle Schwarber, like when we look at Kyle Schwarber and what he's done in his career, you know, his, his time above double A is so, so very low. Uh, you know, he played 69 games at the big league level in 15. Obviously, you know, he only had the, a couple of games in the regular season last year. He's up yeah. to 30 this year. And he's only got 17 games, you know, in AAA. So, there, I mean, he's got 108 major league games. That's that's still a rookie. Yeah. So it is way, way too early to make sweeping generalizations on Kyle Schwarber. Um you know what? It's a long season. Guys slump. And the way the Cubs' schedule is broken for them, where they had a long stretch without many days off, mm-hmm. 
playing against you know the Yankees who came in red hot and then going to Colorado who was playing really good baseball you know a lot a lot of times it's about when you're playing a team as much as who you're playing and we saw that a lot last year before the all-star break when the Cubs lost 15 out of 20. It's really amazing when you think about a team that lost 58 games had over a quarter of those come in about a three-week time period and for the other five months of the year they were dominant. This team still has that same general talent level and same general ability so you know, the fact that they're sitting two games over 500 today, that doesn't really bother me much. Yeah, so we actually kind of goofed because last time when we talked about this, we forgot about June 1st. And so uh, Ben and I were freaking out because it looked like the Cubs were playing 29 games in a row when the CBA and the player contract actually said you're supposed to have an off day uh, at least once every 20 days. So they do have an off day on that one, and that broke up the 29 in a row. So it's actually 16 in a row right now. And uh, it's kind of lucky that they started with the Reds because the Reds are kind of horrible. But, uh, yeah, at the same time, 16 games, that's like two weeks. Right, and – the Cubs, then this 16 games actually breaks out better for them, you know, because they, they just had the before last Thursday where they had that off day. They had a run of a couple of weeks in a row where they hadn't been off, but they had been traveling quite a bit. Here, you know, the first 10 of these 16 games are all at home. Uh, the first three against the Reds, the Reds weren't playing particularly well when they came into Chicago, so the Cubs took care of business. The Brewers are playing well, so it if they take two out of three from Milwaukee, you call that a win and you move on. Mm-hmm. And then they've got four against the Giants, and the Giants have been terrible. So if you can clean up and get three out of those four, you know, now we're looking at an eight and two homestand going into the six game road trip to end the 16 days in a row where you win two or three of those and you come out of it 11 and five. You go, hey, you know what? That's pretty solid. Yeah, and I think that gets them back into the groove of things. And also you could see a couple of bats busting out against the Reds. And, you know, we joke about it, but maybe the Reds are a really good slump buster considering that the Cubs have dominated them over the past few seasons. You know, they've played really well against Milwaukee, too. I know the the Brewers broadcasters up here like to beat the drum or enjoyed beating the drum that the Brewers had – had won some games against the Cubs at the end of last year, but the Cubs had kind of toned down the throttle for some of those. Uh, things have gone fairly well against Milwaukee this year, and as as you know, the Kyle Schwarbers of the world and Anthony Rizzo start to kind of come out of their slumps a little bit. Ben Zobrist appeared to be hitting the ball well. I didn't actually see the game today. Uh, I know Javi had the grand slam today. Yeah, Chris no, as, Bryan had as, uh, had one that cl- almost cleared the batter's eye in center field, so that was yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I did catch the highlight of that, and I I just kind of shook my head and said, well, you know, the wind was blowing out. Well, sure. But, yeah, yeah that was a lot of fun. I, I like these games where they just score a lot of runs and the other team never really has a chance, even when, you know, Brian Dunsing accidentally loads the bases in the top of the ninth. You know, Brian Dunsing is 
you know, he's kind of a mop-up arm, and there's a good chance that he's not around the entire season. Mm-hmm. It it actually remains to be seen, you know, if because you know, like the Pierce Johnsons of the world, you know, I think his reverse splits in Iowa looked pretty good. Uh, Koji Uehara, I know he finished the game and got a save because of the weird save rule where they were up five, but the tying run was on deck. So, you know, he gets a save, um, you know, his reverse splits are pretty good. Mike Montgomery has, Mike Montgomery's actually been outstanding. I know, you know, after those first few appearances, it's like, oh my God, what's wrong with Mike Montgomery? Then he gives up a run finally after 18 scoreless innings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of unfair to him. Like, you always remember the guy who gives up the run after the offense can't do anything. But uh, the offense had been slumping for a while, and now it seems like they're, they're busting out. We, I guess we should talk about the pitching, though, because, like, the reason why you had to taxi up and down a bunch of pitchers is – it's similar to what we said a few years back where the pitchers basically weren't taking care of business and that wears down the bullpen. Uh, right now, I think John Lester is getting into a groove. He's been having like several good starts in a row. John Lackey, like, you know, he gets hit around, but he's always pumping the strike zone. And that's something I appreciate. Like, I, I would prefer that you not walk the world and. You know, if you get hit around, that's fine. At least you're throwing strikes. But uh, he, he's been pretty solid. I think Kyle Hendricks has started amping up his uh, his velocity to around, like, you know, mid to high 80s again. And he's obviously still keeping hitters off balance. Eddie Butler, we don't know what we have with him. But the big question mark, uh, especially since we – anticipate that the Cubs will give him a qualifying offer to, when he walks into the sunset as Jake Arrieta. Yeah. Um, you know, I wrote, I wrote on Jake this week about, about his struggles. And when I, when I dove into it, I expected to find, you know, no, he's given up a lot of hard contact. He's, you know, I, I looked, I thought, you know, like with, with a 544 ERA, a 418 whip, 1.61 home runs allowed per nine innings, 355 BABIP, you know, 40.2 on the ground balls. Do I expected to find some really, really bad stuff when I dug into his overall, overall numbers? And, you know, what I found was that, you know, yes, his velocity is down. We all know that. Uh, I dug into the release point, and it doesn't look like he's getting quite the same movement on his pitches. Mm-hmm. But when you look at, like, his exit velocities, it's the fourth lowest average exit velocity among pitchers with 130 or more batted balls. So when you look at it, you know, Jake's not getting hit that hard. Mm. You know, he's got the second lowest fly ball exit velocity. So when he gets hit in the air, it's not like they're going a long way. You know, he's giving up a lot of home runs, but even the average home run distance is relatively short. Yeah, so I guess he's getting what some would call a little bit unlucky. Oh, yeah, he's absolutely getting unlucky. And in some ways, it makes some sense. Um, You know, he had, in his first start, he had a lot of ground balls against the Cardinals, and he threw a lot of shutout innings. Um, You know, his average exit velocity this year is 85 
which is actually a tick down from where it was last year. Um, in 2015, when he won the Cy Young, his average exit velocity was 84. Hmm. So he's kind of in the middle of where he was last year and the year before. The problem with Jake is a lot of his his weak contact is is actually falling in. He gives up these flare hits that land in front of the outfielders. And, you know, he's had two starts in Coors and in Fenway that are just enormous ballparks to where that weak contact really turns into hits a lot. Hmm. Yeah, that's very, very annoying, especially for those of us who understand, like, you know, how Babip and pitcher luck work. It, it's just you execute your pitch and it falls in any way, and sometimes that's just baseball. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's none of this is to say there aren't some things that that are cause for concern. You know, his pitches are a little bit flatter and they're not going quite as hard. So so they are being allowed to be hit more in the air and they are being squared up more often, which isn't to say that it's happening a lot, but it's happening more often. And when it is happening, it's turning into into hits and runs and the good things about Jake are the strikeouts are up. He's he's sitting at what would be a career high in strikeouts per nine innings. His walks are down almost a full walk per nine from last year. So he's he's finding the strike zone a lot more. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, some of those strikes aren't quite as good as you'd want them to be. And they are getting hit a little harder more frequently. And some of the stuff that he's he's giving up weak contact to is turning into hits. And, and that's where the problem lies with Jake. And it's especially early in his starts. His first time through the order, his ERA is over seven. His mm-hmm. second time through, it's about five and a half. The third time through, it's about two and a half. It's a very Jake Arrieta-like number, which is really counterintuitive. Yeah, maybe it's just taking him a while to adjust throughout the game. Like, you usually give starters a longer leash than relievers. Like, you know, he hits hard the first inning. Well, let's see what happens the second time through because we need the guy to, you know, wear it a little bit and eat some innings. But uh, at the same time, I, I believe you had espoused the idea of his sidearm, or not not sidearm, but he slings his arm across. He does like this little crossfire thing. And if the, if you're only getting horizontal, uh, displacement and not also the vertical. So you, you want to deceive the, the batter when you pitch. And if the ball is essentially staying on the same plane with the crossfire move, movement, then it's going to get squared up instead of like, going underneath the bat for a grounder or going above the bat for a pop-up. Yeah, the mechanics, like Jake Jake Arrieta's mechanics are ridiculously complicated and not terribly clean. And part of last season, it seemed like he struggled with his command. His release point got about two inches higher than it had been in years past. This year, it's actually come down back to where it was in 2014 and 15 when he was so good. But this year, it seems like his arm is out more towards third base, hmm. which would allow left-handed hitters to see the ball better on him. 
and without looking at its splits too deeply, I'm not sure if if that's actually happening. Uh, pulling up its splits, no, it's not actually that much more. The slugging's a little bit higher, the on base is a little higher, and the batting average is actually a little lower. Right. But you know it it does make the ball easier to see. It may be flattening out its pitches. You know, those are things that are between Chris Bazio and Jake Arrieta more than they are for me. Yeah. Let's uh, get back to the velocity thing. Like we had talked once upon a time uh, a few weeks back about the Cubs maybe just ramping it up, saving their big velocity for bigger games. But I don't know if that's necessarily true, especially – now that they are a month and a half in, you should be ramping up. So do you think there's just, you know, normal wear and tear on that arm and Jake just can't throw that hard anymore? You know, I don't I don't know if it's normal wear and tear. Um, you know, he dialed it back quite a bit in August and September last year. We saw a, a, there's a pretty remarkable dip in his velocity there. And then when it, it, you know, it comes back with a vengeance in the playoffs and in the World Series. So I'm not, I'm not sure if it's something he can't get back. I don't know how much work he did in, in the winter and over the spring to help, to help really ramp that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like his spring starts and innings were comparable to pretty much the rest of his career this year. No, Jake's velocity is definitely something worth keeping an eye on because he's not the same pitcher when he sits 92, 93 as he is when he sits 94, 95 and, you know, touches 96. You know, there's something to be said about having a ton of movement that's going really fast. And that's one of the things that made Jake Arrieta so dominant for – for a huge chunk of 2015, but even like the first half of 2015 and 2014, Jake Arrieta was outstanding. Yeah, He just didn't get the attention because of how ridiculous his second half of 2015 was. It's something to keep an eye on for sure. I'm sure that Jake hopes it comes back and Scott Boris hopes it comes back. And if it does come back we could see a precipitous decline in Jake Arrieta's traditional metrics, his ERA. Mm-hmm. I, I think we're going to see a pretty precipitous decline in them anyway, because some of the things that we're seeing with Jake just don't scream five and a half ERA. Yeah. Cause with velocity, you obviously can make up for a number of mistakes like, you know, oops, I, I missed my spot, but I'm going to throw it by him anyway, because it's so hard. But I feel like all these pitchers have such good stuff that even if they don't have the high velocity, if they can hit their spots, they should be able to get good results anyway. And maybe, like, maybe, maybe I'm just biased or I'm hoping against hope, but I really hope that this is a voluntary thing and something they're experimenting on to just save the arms for when they're needed most. As we Yo, still. Jake. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Jake isn't necessarily the kind of guy that that needs velocity because his pitches do move so much. You know, he's, he's got a little more margin for error than say a Kyle Hendricks who, who, who does what he does so well with, 
with pitch selection and location and varying speeds to make his fastball play up. Jake's still got a little more velocity and a little more movement than that, but without the velocity, he can still be very, very effective. The unfortunate thing for Jake is that his mechanics are so intricate and so easy to lose that when he does lose them, he either walks a lot of people like we saw last year or he throws poorer quality strikes like he has been this year and he ends up getting hit a little harder. The velocity helps increase his margin for error. Mm-hmm. But if he's if he is going to be Jake Arietta that we're we're seeing now at 92-93 his command and his pitch placement are going to be, have to be that much more precise and it it really remains to be seen if that's something he has in him with his mechanics yeah well uh i guess we'll find out sometime this weekend or it I don't think he's pitching against Milwaukee, is he? No, he has I to be. I think he is scheduled to start on Saturday. Okay, he is that right? Cool. That that means I get to see him, like assuming it doesn't rain uh, too much, because uh, I think that rain's supposed to taper off around first pitch. But uh, then I guess I'll get to see him firsthand when we go to Wrigley on Saturday. That'll be our first game as a family at Wrigley Field. Will you be able to go, or is it like uh, one of those things that you can't really steal time away from Wisconsin for? Um, yeah, I try to get to Wrigley a few times a year. I haven't been yet this year. I'm not sure if I'll make it down uh, in the near term, but I, I was actually at Jake Arietta's first start as a Cub in mm. the second half of the July 30th doubleheader in 2013 against the Brewers and you know he looked really great that night and it's been an ascension for Jake Arrieta ever since yeah so hopefully it's back to that as as the season goes forward yeah so I guess uh next time we do a pod we'll talk about uh how Jake looked firsthand and uh you know how fun family time can be so I think that's all the time we have for this episode. Don't want to bore the fans too much, but uh, again, you can find Andy on Twitter. Go ahead. You can find me at, at behind underscore the underscore Ivy and on World Series Dreaming, where hopefully I'll have a few more columns coming in the, the next few weeks. Yeah, uh, the draft's coming up, and, of course, trade season is going to come shortly after that. And the good news is school lets out, so, you know, I don't have to teach these kids anymore. At least not for a month or so. Everybody needs a break. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it'll be a summer fall planning, but at least, like, uh, I don't have to worry about kids trying to kill each other in the classroom or, you know, trying to throw things down my sinks. That, 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 that'll be nice. And then uh, we'll have some other things to talk about. Uh, again, you can find me at Cubic Snarconia on Twitter. Uh, you can find Anno or Ben at WSDreaming underscore Cubs. Most of what we tweet, if Facebook and Twitter are getting along, will go to both. So you guys can definitely follow us. We're very interactive. And uh, 
you know, this time around, we still got no emails. I know you guys are listening, so please send us stuff at worldseriesdreaming at gmail.com so we could get a little more uh, fan interaction going. Anything else? Uh, no, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Uh, ben is obviously doing his own thing. He's going to get married and has to work several jobs to pay for those season tickets. So he'll, he should be back next time. But uh, we'll see you next time on the World Series Dreaming Cubs Dreamcast. You it was more than just a game.